It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. My guest today graduated in 2016 with a bachelor's in communications and public relations. After working in the corporate world for a few years, she decided to pivot and pursue her dream of becoming an educator. She's currently pursuing a master's degree in early childhood education with a dual certification in special education at the Bank Street Graduate School of Education. She soon became enamored with the role of literature in the lives of young children. And she wrote a book, A Broken Crayon Still Colors. She is currently an author and aspiring teacher. Please welcome Danielle Mazzilli. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Danielle. Well, thank you for being here. It's very exciting because in my company, IDE Corp, Innovative Designs for Education, we provide professional learning experiences for teachers so that they can continually hone their craft. And in a field that is in such flux right now, it is so exciting to see that people like yourselves are still going into that field with a passion. So that's what I want to be able to talk about more today with you. But first, let's go back a little bit. When you were graduating high school, why did you decide to pursue a BA in communications and public relations? Yeah. So right after high school, I knew that I wanted to do something with public relations and public relations itself is so broad, but I knew I wanted to work with people. I'm a people person. At first I thought maybe journalism and that still technically fell under that umbrella of public relations. And it really wasn't until maybe sophomore or junior year of college where I pivoted from journalism, like the focus on journalism to public relations in general. Ah, so you did start out pursuing writing yes. and then flipped more into a, perhaps a more interactive people career. Yes. And I thought about, you know, maybe working in HR or customer success. And that's what I ended up doing, customer success and client services roles. Uh, but I knew I wanted to work with people in some capacity. So then someplace around 2019, you actually pivoted to working with little people. What <laughs> was it that caused you to pivot and want to pursue a career in education? Well, I always knew I wanted to work with children in some capacity. In high school, I was babysitting. In college, during my undergrad, I nannied for a family for all four years. And it was something I was truly passionate about. Uh, it was something about kids or just being around them that I always knew, huh, maybe this is for me. Uh, my grandma would always say, you know, you just have this thing with kids. And it was really at my last job where I was able to not so much work with kids, but I was working with people that worked with kids, uh, people that ran camps or leagues for children. And I just wanted to make that jump and say, no, I want to work with kids direct capacity rather than in the background. And so you then went off to get a, you're working on your master's degree in early childhood. Are you right at the end of it, I think? I have one semester left, which is currently happening right now, and that'll be done in August. And so as of September, you could start a teaching career and you could decide, now you're in the New York City area, is that correct? Yes, I'm in New York City. And so you could choose to work for one of the New York City public schools or a charter school or a private school, but you are actually choosing not to commit at this point. 
And I think it's a very interesting time in history because when I was pursuing a teaching job in the late 70s, teaching jobs were very hard to come by. They didn't need teachers. So I really had to work hard at figuring out how to get a school to pay attention to me and want to hire me from the other thousand resumes they got. And with the pandemic, people my age all like, you know, got out of schools. And many people are retiring or pivoting to a different job. And so right now, schools really have a need to hire good teachers and then work to retain them. So you're actually choosing to be a little bit picky. Tell me about what your plan is for the future. I am choosing to be a little bit picky. I am choosing to sub for a year after I graduate in order to find a school environment that works for me. I want to be at a place, a school that not only values their students, but also their teachers. And I think now more than ever, valuing teachers is so important and making sure that we have the resources to be our best selves every day for those kids. Because with the pandemic, I think a lot of teachers really needed support in so many ways. And children, especially now that they're back, you know, in person in school, need different types of support that maybe wasn't so visible before. So I want to be sure that I am at a school in the right environment that has a great culture and community that I know I can thrive. You know, when the pandemic hit, because as educational consultants, we were working with clients before and right through the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, clearly the first and foremost goal was safety. And school administrators were spending inordinate amounts of time trying to figure out how we're going to keep our kids and our teachers safe. And when learning pivoted to home, they were stuck with trying to figure out how are we going to teach from home? They had to acquire technology. In some places, they had to negotiate with the local internet providers to try to provide hotspots because they had students in areas where they didn't have internet access So there was a lot of attention put into the logistics Mm -hmm. of running school and dealing with a pandemic. And I would say that, yes, probably nurturing the teachers was bottom, not bottom of the list, but later on in the list, other than doing things like, you know, let's not make them come to these meetings or let's you know, schedule it so they have Friday afternoons to themselves or whatever to try and make it better, if you will. But then coming back, now there's all the issues dealing with what I like to refer to as unfinished learning. And I feel like unfinished learning is different from student to student. So we have more of a need to address diversity than ever before. And schools are now saying, while there's a little bit less energy being put into COVID safety and precautions because they have those in place and we have the kids back, suddenly it's like, oh my God, what happened to the teachers? Like now we need need to like, reestablish our teaching force. So as a new teacher coming in, if you could just dream, what would a favorite school environment look like? Yeah, it's a hard question, but also easy at the same time, because I've been in, you know, through student teaching, I've been able to kind of see what I like and don't like about certain environments. For me, community is huge. Like not only the school community, but the outside community as well. A community where teachers are involved in various school events that grown-ups come to. In my most recent student teaching experience, they put on events all the time. COVID safe events, book fairs, and, you know, just things to get grownups in the door as well, because 
I think for so long, they weren't allowed to come in and see the school. <laughs> you know, they just had to wait outside with their mask on and send their kids in. But a school that really has a tight knit community is important to me. A school that also allows for creativity and imagination, not so much following the curriculum, you know, word for word. I really want to be able to be creative because I have seen how much pressure there is on following the curriculum, just pushing through, but we're not really not meeting the kids where they are right now. And that's so important to me to be able to meet students where they are currently. So to have that flexibility in curriculum. And I love that idea of creativity. I feel like a lot of teachers feel that way. I was in a discussion just this morning where I said the difference between standards and curriculum is that standards will tell you that this is what a student should know, be like, be able to do. Whereas a curriculum says, well, this is what students should know, be like, be able to do. And here's how you get there. Here are some resources. Here's the, the books we'll read. Here's the this. So curriculum can be much more constraining and I think there was a time when everyone thought that the curriculum was helpful because it provided all these resources. But at the same time, many teachers today are finding that it's stifling because it's not allowing them to just be creative. I mean, I think everyone would agree that, yes, part of a standard would be that students have to be able to write a strong opening paragraph in stating an opinion or making an argument. So we know that that's a skill. But Danielle Mazzilli could teach that skill in a variety of ways and not necessarily the way that the textbook publisher put out there or the way that the school curriculum put out there. And I believe, Danielle, that that is a characteristic that is probably shared among many people who are going into teaching now. Now, you actually started, you decided to pursue this route of teaching in August of 2019, and you actually started taking your first courses in January of 2020, and then three months into your coursework, the <laughs> pandemic hit. So tell us about how that impacted your learning, and did that make you say, oh, maybe this is a bad career, or did that make you want to push even more to become a teacher? It was interesting because my program actually allowed me to be online. So I chose Bank Street in particular because of their online offering for this specific degree. So nothing changed as far as, you know, me going to grad school, like physically, I was still able to work from my computer at home or wherever I was. But it was interesting because so many of my colleagues were in the classroom, already teachers, my professors too, some of them are still in the classroom. So I saw really the shift from their perspective and behind the computer and, you know, in conversations with my classmates who had no idea. They just said their school was shutting down for two weeks and they'll be back. And, you know, that's <laughs> what we all thought. It never happened. <laughs> So now we have another little pivot, and that is that while you were in your master's program, you actually were studying early literacy and emerging readers, and you became very passionate about the connection of literature to young people. So talk to us more about that and how you ended up writing a book. So it was during my spring semester of 2021, and I was taking this course, Language, Literature, and Emergent Literacy in the primary grades. In the syllabus, uh, the very first day we were given, this is what to expect. And at the end of this class, you're going to write your own children's book. 
That's what I love about Bank Street College of Education because mm-hmm. they're very problem based. Yes. And, you know, that was at the end. I wasn't even thinking about it, but all the in between is what really got me to write the book that I did. So that course allowed me to examine the role of literature in children's lives explore the ways that we use literature from a wide range of perspectives. And also, I think the most important piece of that class and what I took away from that was honoring and stimulating children's own storytelling. Honoring students' storytelling. Why is that so important? I think it's so important for children to be able to see themselves in stories and also to be able to create their own stories. And whether it's, you know, just a picture book, wordless picture book, or whatever it is that children create, being able to honor those stories because our children come from so many different places, so many different backgrounds. And I think it's important that in any classroom, you have books on your shelves that reflect the students that are in your classroom, but also provide a window into other children's lives. That was one thing my professor always said, to make sure that we have books in our classroom that are windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors for students. And I know a lot of schools are working on that, particularly with an emphasis on equity and ensuring that all students have stories backgrounds that are represented in classrooms today. So part of then that course was that you had to write your own book and you ended up writing a book that you entitled A Broken Crayon Still Colors. Tell us about your inspiration for that. It was kind of like you mentioned with Bank Street, they want you to solve a problem. So I first had to recognize what was a problem in my life. The problem was I never saw books about divorce when my own parents were going through divorce. So I was six years old. And I just remember them kind of just telling me that they weren't going to live together anymore. I didn't really understand what that meant. I didn't have any friends at the time whose parents were separated or divorced. So it was very new to me. And I think it's a concept that is difficult for anyone to understand if you have never been around it before, but also especially children. You can't really explain what that means. And in my book, there is a line, and it was really exactly how my parents told me. They said, we're not going to be living together anymore. And that was the only thing that I really understood, but I didn't know what divorce meant, like the word itself. Right, right. So what is the meaning of the title, A Broken Crayon Still Colors? It came actually after I wrote the book. It was the last thing that I did. The way that I wrote the book is that it's told from the perspective of a box of crayons, and they are helping a little girl whose parents are separating. And it was almost like an affirmation. So the crayons actually tell her, you know, a broken crayon still colors, you know, in the sense like, never give up, that social emotional aspect. And that even when we feel broken, those feelings are not forever. Those feelings are temporary. That's why I ended up titling the book A Broken Crayon Still Colors. That's wonderful. So I wrote the book to help children eight and under, but it was really, hey, maybe this could be for grown-ups who need a resource or educators who need a resource to talk to children who are going through that. If parents were going through divorce, they could read this book to their young children as a way of explaining. Yeah, that was one of the goals because I didn't have that myself. Right, right. So in the story, what is the metaphor of the broken crayon? Is it intimating that a child of divorce is broken? The meaning of the broken crayon 
was really to acknowledge the complex emotions associated with divorce, separation, or changes within a family. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to explain that broken, it's not a permanent feeling. It's a temporary feeling, but it's also when you think about a broken crayon that it still colors, right? You can still, even if it's broken in half, you can still use one end, sharpen the other end, and it still works. Something beautiful can happen. The child is feeling broken, but in fact, there's no difference here. You're still as fabulous as you always were. You're still able to do everything you always wanted to do because you can still color. Exactly. I love it. So I might have a sequel for you here because you know what some teachers do is they melt down the pieces of crayons and put them all together and recast them into full Mm -hmm. crayons. Mm. Not sure how that works into a sequel, but there we go. (laughs) What's next for you? As part of my final master's project, I used my own personal experience to create this rationale of what I was seeing in the classroom currently in my last setting, and it was mental health, and specifically mental health in children under eight. I think it's something that is not talked about as much or really looked at, so that is going to be the topic of my next book that I'll be working on for my final master's project. And then from there, finding the perfect school and Not that any school is perfect, but perfect for me. A place where I can be my best self for my students every day. And I know you're going to find the perfect position that is going to fit you perfectly. And how do you think your background in communications and public relations will make you a better teacher? There's a piece of being an educator that you just are kind of born with. But the part of public relations and communications, I think what's really important is to be able to communicate with your colleagues, not only your colleagues' administration. I think there's sometimes miscommunication that happens. So I think having that background in communications and public relations and knowing how to speak with school community members is really important. Absolutely. And I love your references before as well to getting the community into the schools and how do we create that stronger sense of a community of learners is not just the students, it's the students, it's the teachers, it's the parents, it's other community members that puts it all together. So I love that. All right, so let's unpack the learning. I actually have two questions for you, one about your expertise and then one about your situation. So first, let's unpack the learning around your passion for emergent readers. What should parents and other adults know about helping children thrive as emerging readers? Have them lead the choosing of the books. I think it's really important that if books speak to children, their interests as well, it's going to make them a better reader because they want to read the book. So allow your children to pick out books with you. Also allow them to, even if at that moment they can't read the words, read the pictures. I I love picture books. I think they're so important. And it also allows children to make their own meaning of the story. So whether they can read the words or not, have them, you know, read the pictures. And if your child picks the same book for you to read night after (laughs) night after night, you should just go with it. But maybe take that favorite and say, hey, there's another book just like this or, you know, talks about, you know, whatever that topic is. Have them hone their own interests and use their interests and preferences to find other books. Which really builds executive function, another passion of mine, because now you get students comparing and contrasting and looking at cause and effect in different books. It's a wonderful thing. 
Let's unpack the learning on the situation you are in. So as an aspiring teacher who is now prepared to be a teacher and can decide where you want to teach, what advice would you give to administrators who are currently trying to attract teachers to their schools? I would say listen to the needs of your teachers, especially now more than ever. I think teachers are not so much screaming out for help, but for resources. Provide teachers with resources, whether that is maybe professional development opportunities, but also resources to help with how differentiated classrooms are right now because of where that I don't like to call it learning loss because we need to really rethink as a entire education system where the children are, but make sure that you're listening to your teachers as far as resources and what they need in their classroom. We have self-paced online professional learning experiences to support teachers around the clock. We have one that's about to be published on designing individualized learning environments through using differentiated activity lists. And we know that from our work in this area over the years, teachers have always loved that idea. So now we're putting together a product on it. So look at that. We'll have to hook you up with a login. Oh, I would love that. And we would love your advice on it. So we'll get your feedback on that. Well, Danielle, it was a pleasure meeting with you. Again, uh, you can find in the show notes, daniellemazzilli.com, so that you can find out more about Danielle and her book and her coming books and her aspirations for being a teacher and follow her story to find out where she lands. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nancy. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.